What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Lakers Outsiders podcast. I'm your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. It has been a minute since I recorded one of these, since we recorded one of these. Um, it's late on a Friday night. Um, I can't sleep. I'm thinking about the, the Titans playoff game on Saturday. Already nervous for it. So I figured I'd hop back on here. I've uh, been meaning to get back on here um, and start doing these again. Uh, I apologize. It's been a couple months, a couple months since we did one of these. The uh, first one since the season started, I believe. So um, apologize for that, um, but the pod will be coming back. Um, I know I've apologized to you guys a few times now. Life is just crazy uh, for me personally. Uh, I was dealing with uh, my last semester of college at Boise State, and uh, some of you may know I uh, I work uh, for a healthcare system. So uh, COVID has made life very difficult at work and had me working some long days on top of going to school and all that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, so luckily I was able to graduate college and now life, my life, work life balance is a little bit, uh, more normal. So I'll be able to do these pods a little bit more. And I've also been looking into, uh, doing some, um, some film breakdown videos. Um, uh, so I'll be looking to get those up and going, um, in, in the near future, um, and kind of, diving into some different programs and, and seeing what's going to work best and uh, get some new content for you guys up on the Lakers Outsiders YouTube channel. So um, with that being said, um, I'm going to start uploading these again um, on whatever um, podcast platform that you listen to uh, your podcasts on, um, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever it is, um, these will be um, uploaded after the fact. If you want to watch and listen live, um, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and you can like and uh, follow us on Facebook as well. Uh, just facebook.com slash Lakers Outsiders. Um, I am writing solo tonight. Hani is not with me. I think uh, he's probably sleeping right now. Um, like I said, it's, it's it's late on a Friday night when I'm recording this. But I just wanted to come on here. The Lakers beat the Orlando Magic um, tonight, 116-105. to 105, And just wanted to talk about this Lakers team because this has been – they have been a very fascinating case, and Lakers Twitter is always at each other's throats. Uh, you can see it in the Twitter spaces after every loss, um, and even even the wins, like the wins like tonight, don't feel super satisfying. You know, like for the Lakers to be down eight at halftime to this Orlando Magic team, felt just left a bad taste in my mouth personally. Uh, it. Just didn't feel. I mean, I was pretty disgusted, and it felt like if they lost this game, that Frank Vogel might be gone. And that's what one of the topics I'm going to talk about today is Frank Vogel and and kind of this blame game that we seem to do uh, with the Lakers, um, just sports in general, I guess. There, there there's always got to be a scapegoat, right? Um, especially uh, when dealing with your favorite team or, or whatever it is, or whenever things go wrong. So. Um, so yeah, let's just kind of dive in. Um, at the at the end, I'll be kind of plugging the the next show that we'll have. It won't be done live. Um, it'll be up on the podcast platforms, but I'll talk about that at the end. I'm pretty excited um, to bring this bring that to you guys. But let's talk about this team, man. This team. I don't know what everybody's expectations of this team were going into the season. I had pretty high expectations. I mean, I feel like a lot of people did. They have LeBron, they have AD, they have Russell Westbrook, and, you know, a lot of people 
don't like Russell Westbrook, and I totally get it. I had to kind of talk myself into the trade, um, considering what the Lakers gave up, and you know, coming off of back-to-back years where I thought they legitimately had, I mean, obviously won a, t- a championship two seasons ago, and then last year I thought they could have if uh, they were able to stay healthy, and unfortunately they didn't with the short off season um, because of the bubble and all that stuff. Uh, just didn't come to fruition, and then we saw a complete roster overhaul. Um, you know, some people agreed with it. Some people disagreed with it. I didn't know how I felt about it. I, I understood where they were going. Uh, but I want to talk about that because I think that's kind of where it all starts. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about Russell Westbrook t- today. Um, so where did this kind of all go wrong for the Lakers? And, you know, there's obviously plenty of time for the Lakers, I still think, to to right the ship, to correct these issues. And I think... The, the, the bright side to this team is they haven't come remotely close to hitting their ceiling yet. And yet they're seventh in the West right now. So they'd be in the, you know, if the season ended today at 23 and 23, they'd be in the playing games. So it could be a lot worse, but it could also be a lot better. So this kind of goes back to the offseason and kind of looking back on it now, I'm not going to pretend, you know, um, that that I knew, like, I'm not going to act like I knew that, like, you know, this was wrong or this was right, this was wrong. Just kind of looking back and kind of what the Lakers did, because uh, I think it's important to kind of look back and look at how they built this roster and kind of reshape the identity of this team and how that fits into Frank Vogel's coaching style. So the last two seasons, what was the identity that the Lakers had? They had LeBron, they had AD, and they had elite defense around them, right? 2020, the year 19, or the 2019-2020 season, the bubble championship, whatever you want to call it, it's it's an NBA championship. That team was elite defensively. That team had a gear defensively that no other team in the league had. The Clippers, I think that year, were probably the only team that were a similar level defensively than the Lakers. But the Lakers had LeBron, they had AD, they had, you know, wing defenders, they had enough shooting. Um, they just, they had the right pieces. And the team fit Frank Vogel's coaching style perfectly. It was a team tailor-made for him. Um, you know, obviously Frank Vogel had some really good Pacers teams back in the day, but always ran into LeBron, uh, LeBron's Miami Heat teams with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And they just, they just weren't beating them. And Frank Vogel finally got a team that was built – uh, to his liking, and he had superstars this time. You know, uh, he didn't have Paul George as his best player. He had LeBron as his best player, and Anthony Davis as the second best player. It's a coach's dream. Similar kind of thing last season. Uh, the Lakers kind of switched up a little bit and made the trade of Danny Green to, uh, to for Dennis Schroeder. And Schroeder was very up and down. Obviously, had probably more downs than than ups, um, and obviously ended the season on a very poor note um, in that Phoenix series. Um, And it didn't work out. The team couldn't stay healthy. They battled injuries all year. And it it is what it is. What I was surprised to see was the Lakers completely shifted their identity. But looking back on it, we shouldn't have been this surprised about it. So ever since LeBron signed with the Lakers back in the summer of 2018, I believe, what have they been trying to do? 
they've been trying to get playmakers around him. And everybody said that laughed at the Lakers that first year. Um, and I, myself included on that. You know, when they added guys uh, like Rondo and Lance Stevenson to have LeBron play more off the ball. I don't think it's a coincidence now that the Lakers tried to do that again this offseason. I think they tried to do it a little bit last season, too, by trading Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. Yes, I, I'm reading the comments. I'm, I, will, I will get to chat in a little bit. Um, but the Lakers have been transitioning to, as LeBron goes into the final stages of his career, into playing more off the ball. Not exclusively off the ball, but more off the ball. So that takes us to this offseason. Because like I said, first offseason, they tried it with you know some of these guys. It didn't work. It is what it is. It's fine. And then they went back to kind of a more traditional put shooters and defenders around LeBron and AD, and it worked. It worked great. I think this idea of having LeBron play off the ball is something LeBron has wanted. And I think it's part of his vision as he goes into the final stages of his career. And it's to preserve him. Obviously, for years and years and years, his whole career, it's been put the ball in LeBron's hands, let him create for himself or for others, make his teammates better, put shooters around him, give him space to operate. It's a tried and true formula. It's why he went to so many different NBA finals. And why his teams were always in contention. That takes a serious toll on your body. And LeBron has a ton of mileage on his body. So at a certain point, you have to try and ease the workload a little bit. So fast forward to this offseason, the Lakers kind of continued that trend of outside of the 2019-2020 season, tried to get him some more playmaking. Um, there was rumor that Buddy Heald, uh, it was, you know, there was more than a rumor, I guess. It was, it was a legit thing that the Lakers were looking at Buddy Heald. But Russell Westbrook was ahead in the pecking order for the Lakers um, to go after this offseason. So Buddy Heald was a very real possibility, and it sounded like a deal was almost done. It sounded like Sacramento thought it was done. And then Russell Westbrook became available. And Le we've seen numerous reports now that LeBron and AD both really wanted to go get Westbrook. So keep that in mind when we, when we look at the, the makeup of this roster, right? LeBron and AD are going to have input. Your superstars are going to have input, and you try to keep them happy while balancing doing what's best for the team. So Rob Polinka was kind of in that position of, okay, I need to do what's best for the team, but I also need to you know, value the input of my superstars, keep them happy, and kind of build this team around partly their vision as well. So the Lakers make the trade for Russell Westbrook. They sacrifice, you know, a lot of their depth, some of their versatility, a lot of defense, um, shooting. You know, by trading, it was, what, Montrez Harrell, um, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, and then let some of the free agents walk, like Wesley Matthews and Alex Caruso. And, um, you know, we've talked about that before. Um, the Caruso thing, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably never agree with. I, I can understand certain rationale for it, but I'll never agree with it. Lakers go and trade for Russell Westbrook with this idea that let's put another playmaker around LeBron, around AD. All right, man, have a good night. 
And this is to help ease LeBron's workload, right? And to give another, you know, put another guy on the roster that can help get Anthony Davis some more scoring opportunities and, and just find playmakers to make things easier for those two and for, for everybody else, you know, because the 2019-2020 the season, the year the Lakers won the title, one thing that, you know, really hurt them was whenever LeBron went out, the offense really, really struggled. So I think that's part of why the Lakers wanted to go get a third star. It's been their identity. When Magic Johnson and Rob Plinka took over, they, they had this idea of getting like three, three superstars, three max guys. Um, they initially tried it with LeBron, AD, and Kawhi Leonard. They thought they could get Kawhi. It sounded like it might be a possibility. He chose the Clippers. So they finally get the third star player. And there was a lot of scrutiny with it. A lot of scrutiny with it. And understandably so. Russell Westbrook is kind of a difficult piece to incorporate and to build around. And we hadn't really seen him in this type of role. You know, with Oklahoma City Thunder, obviously he had talented players around him and Kevin Durant, James Harden. Although James Harden back then was not the James Harden that we know now. He was a very good player, but he came off the bench, right? Like he was like the super six man. He wasn't the superstar James Harden that has been around for years now. Um, And then he played again with James Harden in Houston. Uh, He played with Bradley Beal last year. Um, kind of did his solo thing for a while in OKC, played with Durant in OKC for a long time. This was different. He was going to come in and be the third option behind LeBron and AD. Totally different role. That's why I was fairly optimistic about it, and I could talk myself into it, even though Russ you know, is, is a high turnover, um, low shooting percentage type of player, um, and a high usage player, typically. Um, so I kind of wondered how how they would fit him and how they would balance LeBron being a playmaker and Russ being a playmaker, right? Um, because that's that's tricky. Russ has been a ball-dominant guy his whole career. LeBron, same thing. So you've got to find that right balance. And I think that's been part of the, the, the issues. Um, it doesn't help that Anthony Davis has also been out for a month, but so whether you want to blame the roster construction, because after they got Russell Westbrook, they it seemed like they one worry I had was it seemed like they were overcorrecting from their playoff series with the Phoenix Suns, where they could not hit a three to save their life. Could not make any perimeter shots, and Phoenix was lighting it up from three. And that was the big difference, was they could hit shots from the perimeter and the Lakers just for whatever reason, I thought they had capable shooters on that team, could not get anything to drop. So they went out and they got a decent amount of shooting on this roster. Guys like Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Trevor Ariza, so on and so forth, right? Like there's a number of guys they went out and got that are capable shooters. And uh, Wayne Ellington, another guy, obviously, um, kind of his specialty. So obviously it was, it was an area of need that they said, we've got to get some shooting. And with that, they sacrificed a big part of their identity the previous two seasons, which was their defense, like I mentioned earlier, where they could just really crank it up, 
when they were healthy, man, that team could defend like crazy. They were so, so good defensively. Uh, they were versatile. You had Anthony Davis, you know, uh, just swatting away or contesting everything at the rim. And then, you know, if teams thought they could get a switch on AD, guards quickly realized that that's not a switch that you want. So this year's team sacrificed a lot of that. And so whether you want to blame Rob Palenka for making the trade for Russell Westbrook or not having enough defense around them or not enough wing depth or whatever it is, you, I think Rob Palenka, you know, if you're going to play the blame game, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying not to blame anybody for this. Um, just kind of trying to highlight some of the issues. I would understand why people would be upset with Plink and how this roster was built and letting guys like Alex Cuso walk for nothing. With Frank Vogel, what we've learned with Frank Vogel, and there were signs of it that I kind of personally overlooked the last two seasons, is Frank Vogel is very has a very strong belief in his, his principles, in his philosophy as a coach, right? He is a defense-first coach, absolutely. And he inherited a roster this year that was going to require him to maybe not be defense-first. It was a team that, was, that has been built to score a lot of points and be very flexible offensively. And the players, the personnel doesn't really fit his defensive, his typical defensive uh, system, his defensive schemes, right? We've, saw, we've seen for the last two years, the Lakers – Especially two years ago, they're they're um, and and last year too, they were kind of built similarly, I guess, defensively, in the sense that they wanted to play drop coverage, and funnel ball handlers into their big guys, into Anthony Davis, into Javale McGee, into Dwight Howard, into Mark Gasol, whoever it was. They trusted the the size that they had to defend the paint, defend the rim, and they wanted to play drop coverage, have guys fight over screens, and funnel them towards towards their bigs and that was you know the, the core basically of their defensive scheme the issue that we're seeing from a coaching perspective with this team is they're still trying to do that and they don't have the personnel to do it especially with anthony davis being gone and that's one of my main concerns when anthony davis does come back and it sounds like he should be back very soon is that they kind of revert back to that and i think what we've seen is this team is not built that way. They don't have the, first of all, they don't have the, the physicality defensively. They don't have the physical presence defensively to be able to do that consistently, right? You don't have a ton of, you, you have some players that need to play that have serious defensive limitations, whether it is processing information and making snap decisions and reacting. Or some some players just don't have the the physical aspects to be elite defenders. Like Malik Monk, for example, is a guy I love. Malik Monk, and I honestly think he should be in the starting lineup right now. Um, but Malik Monk is a guy that defensively, there's only going to be so much that he can do, and that's not anything against him. It's just he's just a smaller two guard basically, um, and he's not kind of you know bigger and stronger to defend point guards, essentially, that, that are initiators, I guess, that attack uh, attack the basket. So, you know, that's one example. Wayne Ellington's kind of the same thing where it's just, you know, 
and Wayne's kind of out of the rotation right now, but was in it earlier. And there's just only so much a guy like that can do defensively. So what do you do when you don't have the personnel to fit your your scheme, especially defensively? You adapt, right? So my biggest issue with the coaching staff, with Frank Vogel, is they haven't adapted enough. We have seen some some progress, right? With Anthony Davis out, one thing that they they kind of went to was, hey, let's let's play small ball. Let's play LeBron at the five, right? Love it. I honestly, I think that LeBron at the five is a great transition to the last part of his career. I think he would much rather kind of sit back, quarterback the defense in a way, and he's talked about this a couple of times, rather than chase guys, chase wings out on the perimeter, um, around screens, containing dribble penetration, that sort of thing. So I think it's a natural fit to have LeBron play some five, um, basically the four and the five. And he still can do a lot of the things that he's always done. But now you incorporate Russell Westbrook, and offensively he can play off the ball. And I don't think it's any coincidence, and I'll talk a little more about Westbrook here in a minute, but I don't think it's any coincidence that LeBron being, what is he now, 37 years old in his 19th season, um, is having an unbelievable year. He is so far, knock on wood, defying father time and having just an unbelievable year with the amount of mileage that's on his body and the age that he's at and, and all that. Just having an unbelievable year. Efficient, scoring at an insane clip. And Russell Westbrook deserves a lot of credit for that because the Lakers have been able to use LeBron in more ways than they would have been able to do the last two years. And that was a big reason why LeBron and AD wanted Westbrook here. So, you know, I know everybody wants to point the finger at Westbrook whenever the Lakers lose uh, because his mistakes are loud. I will admit his mistakes are very loud. The missed layups, the some, some of the jump shots are just not even anywhere close. The high turnovers, all that sort of thing. So I get it. But defensively, this, this Orlando Magic game tonight, and I'm not going to talk too much about the Magic game, but to me, kind of exemplified what has been going on with the Lakers this year. You had the first half that showed what the Lakers have been doing. They started this old, slow, non-shooting starting five of Russ, Avery Bradley, uh, Ariza, LeBron, and Dwight Howard. You're not getting a lot of shooting and a lot of spacing in that lineup. On the other end, that's an old lineup. <laughs> that is an old lineup with not a lot of speed, not a lot of quickness. Uh, obviously, you've got LeBron and, and Russ, who are still very, very athletic. Um, and Avery Bradley, Frank Vogel loves Avery Bradley. I don't have anything against Avery Bradley. I just don't think he should be in the starting lineup. There's a reason why he, he was cut in the preseason by Golden State. He wasn't even on a roster, and yet he's starting for a team that believes they have championship aspirations. It, that, that aspect doesn't make sense to me. And I get, you know, people love Avery for his defense. And to me, at this point of his career, just the, the eye test from watching Bradley, and he has his moments. When he's hit, hitting his open shots, his open threes, I think Bradley does have value. Uh, personally, I still would bring him off the bench. But the idea of Bradley as a defender, I think, is better than what he actually is defensively at this point in his career. 
he has moments where he is he's still a dog defensively. But there's a lot of moments he gets beat, and guys just go right around him. Um, and part of it doesn't help that the Lakers are still trying to run drop coverage and they don't have the personnel to do it, which takes me back to tonight's game. Lakers are down eight to a really bad Orlando Magic team. And nothing against them. They're just a, a team full of kids, basically. They're super young, and they don't have a franchise player to, to kind of play around. So there's no reason for the Lakers to be down eight to this team at halftime, especially coming off maybe their worst loss of the season against a depleted Indiana Pacers team that the Lakers were up by 14 in the first half and, and blew that game. Which the Lakers, it has been a trend. The Lakers have blown so many double-digit leads this year, and you got to think if they could just protect double-digit leads, where would they be at in the standings? But anyways, so the first half, the Lakers tried this old starting lineup, same old starting lineup. You know, whatever. They're still trying to run drop coverage and funnel guys into Dwight Howard or LeBron at the five. Whatever they're running this drop coverage scheme that Frank Vogel loves and does not want to abandon. They're down eight at the half to a, a, a team that's not good. Switch to the second half. What do the Lakers do? Stanley Johnson is in for Dwight Howard. Defensively, what do the Lakers do? They stop running drop coverage and they start switching everything. And I believe they started the third quarter on a 17-2 run. Like, hello, that's what this team needs to be. Like, that is schematically what the, the identity of this team is defensively. When you have players that are limited defensively, whether it be physically or processing information, what's the best thing to do? Simplify it for them so they don't have to think so much, right? The Lakers have the personnel, especially when Anthony Davis comes back and Stanley Johnson on board now, to run small ball, which the Lakers, the small ball has been clunky at times because they take small ball. So small ball in the NBA now really means just having basically like no, no traditional big, but still being able to switch things. So you still have versatility, right? You're not putting, and, and the Lakers have had lineups you know, earlier this year with Westbrook and Rondo together, um, you know, things like that, that kind of kills your versatility and kills the whole purpose of being small. So it's not, you know, playing small, it's, it's hard to do that when you have like Russ and Avery Bradley on the court at the same time. But say you go, and that's just, just, that's just one example. I mean, if you go Russ, Bradley, and then another guard, whatever, that's kind of tough. Let's say you go Russ, Austin Reeves, um, I guess at, at this point in time, maybe Ariza, Stanley Johnson, and LeBron, for example, just off the top of my head. Like that allows you some flexibility where you can switch or maybe even put Melo in Ariza's spot or whatever. That allows you versatility to, to switch and not get hunted like, to get hunted too much, right? This team's probably always going to have somebody in their lineup that gets hunted uh, defensively. So, but we saw it in the second half tonight. 
as soon as the Lakers made that commitment to say, hey, we're just going to switch everything, we're going to have a versatile lineup by putting Stanley Johnson in for Dwight Howard, and they went on a run right away, and it was night and day. They got stop after stop after stop, which feeds into their offense. This team is so much better when they can run, they can push the pace, they play much faster, and they got so many, so much better looks on offense. It was night and day, and that's just – tonight was honestly – I know it's the magic, and I'm not getting excited over a win – um, about a win over the Magic. But tonight was like a perfect encapsulation of the first half being what this team has tried to do and the second half of being what they should be doing, what their identity should be. It should be playing small ball, playing fast, spreading the floor, and letting your playmakers make plays. Which brings me back to Russell Westbrook a little bit. I feel like Russ has gotten a a very unfair rap this year. And again, I get it. His mistakes are loud. The missed layups are extremely frustrating. The lack of, you know, his shooting is frustrating just in general. Uh, he's had some really, really bad misses. Um, and then there's just games where he can't hit anything from the perimeter. Um, the turnovers, the high turnover volume, all that stuff. I don't know how much Frank Vogel has done to really help Russell Westbrook really thrive, though. I think I love the LeBron-Westbrook combination, especially when they're running pick and rolls. I love when the Lakers have LeBron as a pick and roll big guy. Because if you run that with, with Russ and say you know they, they come out and edge hard or whatever, and you create a four-on-three by hitting LeBron kind of on the short roll, I mean, you're going to score the vast majority of the time. Or you're going you're at least going to get a great look. If you create a four-on-three for LeBron going towards the rim, I mean, this, this team and the offense hasn't really been bad uh, statistically. But with the star power that they have, they can keep it fairly simple and be very effective. You know, the, the scheme doesn't have to be anything crazy. And I think it, it kind of – it's both ends of the floor. Like I said, I think they can simplify the, the scheme defensively to help out the just overall the players that maybe aren't good defenders in general um, from an individual standpoint and make the thing make the game easier. It, it reminds me, I think it was Golden State last year, or maybe it was two years ago, where they were relying pretty heavily on some young players. And they were really struggling, I think, the first half of the year or just maybe the first part of the year. Because they're off, they're young players. The the complexity of their offensive system was was just too much for them. It was overwhelming, and when they simplified it, they dumbed it down for the for these young players. All of a sudden, everything started to click, right? I think some of that is kind of happening to this Lakers team defensively. That it, it needs to just be simplified enough with the drop coverage. You know, you you can have that in your bag. You know, the Lakers playing small shouldn't be the only look that the Lakers have, but it should be their main one. Um, playing small and switching on defense should be their their primary coverage. That's their identity defensively right now, and I think you can still do that with Anthony Davis back. You can do both, right? You can funnel guys to Anthony Davis. Um, you know, if he's guarding a traditional big that hangs around the basket or whatever. Now, if you're playing against a team that's playing five out, maybe you switch everything because you can do that with Anthony Davis. 
Um, but anyways, back, back to Russell Westbrook. So you can keep it fairly simple for him and have him be a lot more effective and have him be a lot more comfortable. Another example tonight in the Magic game. There was, a, there was a stretch where the Lakers put Russ with Reeves, Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza, and Carmelo Anthony. Now, I'm not a fan of Carmelo at the five um, because you give up a lot defensively, um, especially if you're going to be dumb and run drop coverage and funnel guys into Carmelo Anthony at the five, which makes zero sense whatsoever. But anyways, offensively, though, when you give Russ that much space, that much shooting – I don't know what the numbers were tonight, and the Lakers went on a, on a little run and forced an Orlando timeout um, when they had that lineup in there. So, again, I don't know the exact numbers on this, but you could just – the eye test, it jumped off the screen. Westbrook was so much more comfortable. The spacing was beautiful. It allowed him to attack. He, I, I think he had a drive and kick. He actually passed up an open layup and kicked it out to Stanley Johnson, um, for example, kind of similar type of lineup. Um, but th- that's what Russell Westbrook needs more of. And the Lakers have put him in, in lineups that are just not optimal for him. You know, and, you know, I'm not saying Russ is blameless, but the Lakers have asked Russ to be so many different things this year. You know, first it was, okay, we want you to, you know, initiate offense. Um, we don't want you to shoot, right? We don't want you to shoot perimeter shots. We don't want you to attack the basket. Um, and then it was, okay, well, tone it back a little bit. We don't want you to turn the ball over so much. And then what happens? His assist numbers go down. And it's almost like he's thinking more. But the Lakers are also sticking him in lineups that just do not fit what Westbrook is good at. Look at the starting lineup, for example. You're putting Westbrook with Avery Bradley, very, very streaky shooter, just a guy that doesn't have a lot of gravity. Defenses aren't going to respect his shot. Maybe if he hits a few, they might do it, but initially they're just not going to. Trevor Ariza, kind of the same thing. I mean, he's he's a capable shooter, but it, it kind of comes and goes. He has his good games and he has his really bad games. LeBron, LeBron's been a capable shooter as well, but he's not a sharp shooter, right? So in terms of spacing, obviously LeBron's going to have his own gravity, and you can do a lot of things with LeBron off the ball. And then Dwight Howard. And, I mean, how many games did we play with Russell Westbrook having Anthony Davis and DeAndre Jordan out there together? So you're putting Westbrook, a non-shooter, out there with – and Anthony Davis has been a non-shooter this year too. His perimeter shooting has just been awful. Um, But then you put him out there with with Davis and DeAndre Jordan, who – Jordan, you know, I'm glad that is out of the rotation now just because he just doesn't look like he has anything left. But, like, for example, I mean, those those lineups just don't make any sense with Russell Westbrook. And we see it far too often. Far too often. That he's put in a, a suboptimal lineup and then asked to basically say, okay, do what you've always done. It doesn't work that way. A guy can't drive if there's no shooting or spacing on the floor. He can't create by attacking the paint and kicking out to shooters that aren't shooters. You know, so the Lakers need to do a better job of mixing and matching their lineups. I think they need to depend on their youth a little bit more. Um, obviously, th- there's been so many jokes about this team being old, and I get it. 
they had a lot of old veteran players. And I would understand not leaning on your young players because a lot of times young players just aren't capable. They're not consistent, whatever. The young players on the Lakers have different roles that they're more than capable with. Austin Reeves has been an absolute gem and should be playing more than what he's been playing. Very high basketball IQ, good positional defender, um, obviously needs, you know, needs to add strength like most young players do. Um, but he will do the dirty work defensively. He'll draw charges. He's a good shooter, smart player, good passer. Like, needs to play. He needs to play more. Taylor Horton Tucker should get minutes too. Lean on your youth. And he's, he's kind of another guy. I've actually been really encouraged with Taylor Horton Tucker's defense here lately. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about his, his long-term uh, future as a defender, especially given his, his physical tools. He can be a pretty versatile defender, I think, for um, guards and wings. Um, Stanley Johnson, another guy that should be playing more. Like the, uh, the Pacers game, one thing that really just irritated me was it was Carmelo's first game back from a back injury. I believe he played like 32 or was it 30 minutes, 30 or 31 minutes um, in his first game back. And Stanley Johnson played 16 minutes in that game. And this was one game later after the, the Jazz game where Stanley Johnson was cooking Rudy Gobert. And that, that lineup that we saw that was so effective against Utah played zero minutes the next game against Indiana, and the Lakers lost. Not to say that that was the only reason they lost, but what are we doing? Why do we, this team and, and, and Vogel, my frustration, frustrations with Vogel is he's, he's been so stubborn that his, his way is going to work. He's got to keep going back to his way. Got to keep going back to his way. Every time the Lakers like make progress and have this realization that like, hey, maybe we should play small. Maybe we should switch. Maybe we should put shooters around Russ. Put shooters around LeBron. All these things, and then it's like they just they can't fight the urge to go back to what they've been trying and failing with. And so I'm curious. I'm going to be curious to see how they they play at Miami, and see if they go back to this drop coverage, you know, scheme that they that Vogel wants to run defensively, um, because this team's identity is is to to play smaller, play faster. Switch defensively, space the floor, allow your playmakers room to operate. Like, that's the core of what this team's identity should be. And it's just like they're fighting it and not accepting it. But when they do, it's beautiful. They, they get wins like the Utah Jazz or this, this game against Orlando. And I know it's Orlando, but, like, if the Lakers would have been playing that way from the get-go, LeBron would have had ice on his knees in the whole fourth quarter. Russ would have been chilling the whole fourth quarter. Like they outscored Orlando 31 to 16 in the third quarter as soon as they made that change and and took it seriously. And then there's the the kind of the issue of with an older team, there's probably a lot of games that they get bored in the regular season, they just don't have a lot of juice. That's another reason you should lean on your youth. Like if you put four young guys and young legs around LeBron for a team that is built to play fast, you're probably going to see better results. So I would love to see the lineups be a little more optimized to incorporate switching defensively and spacing the floor offensively and being able to play fast because the Lakers have the personnel, even right now, before AD comes back and before Kendrick Nunn comes back, to do those three things. You can mix and match different lineups with the older players and the younger players to do those different things. 
that's where my, my biggest frustrations have been. I'm also kind of un, just frustrated with everybody immediately. I mean, the blame game has, has jumped from person to person, right? Anthony Davis has gotten his fair share um, because he's just got he's got games where he doesn't play to his his potential. Frank Vogel has gotten plenty of blame, and to me, so far, to me, this season has been the biggest issue for the Lakers. Um, and it's kind of crazy to me that there's a lot of fans and a lot of media that have said Frank Vogel is basically blameless because oh, you made the trade for Russell Westbrook. This is what you what you get. And there's been a lot of confirmation bias with that, right? People just automatically assumed Russ wouldn't work and basically jump at every, they chomp at the bit at every opportunity that might suggest that it doesn't work. But there's been evidence that you can make it work. The Lakers have to, to adjust to, their, to what they're built to play as. And it starts with Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel has got to, to adjust. Like, you cannot run the same schemes that you ran the last two years. Your team is not built that way. I was, it's funny because I was actually thinking about, for whatever reason, I was thinking about NFL comparisons to what the Lakers are kind of doing in terms of their personnel and what they're actually doing schematically. And I thought of three things. I was thinking of the teams in the playoffs or whatever, and, and it's still in the NFL playoffs by the time I'm recording this, by the way. It'd be like the San Francisco 49ers this year saying, we're not going to run the ball. We're going to let Jimmy G sling it. We're going to take bombs, take shots downfield. We're not going to run the ball. We're not going to hand it off to Elijah Mitchell. We're not going to hand it to Debo Samuel. You know, we're going to we're going to just we're going to throw bombs. Right? Which is the complete opposite of what they are. The the 49ers are a really fun team because they've got unique talents like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Debo, I love Debo. Debo, you can hand him the ball, you can toss him the ball, you can throw him the ball. Hell, he can throw the ball. Like that guy can do everything. But imagine if the 49ers just said, "No, we don't. We don't want to do that. We want Garoppolo to to just kind of sling the ball down the field, take shots, that sort of thing." It's not how they're built. It'd be like if the Kansas City Chiefs said, "You know, we've got Patrick Mahomes, we've got Travis Kelsey, we've got Tyreek Hill, we've got these fast guys at wide receiver." We need, to, we need to, to run the ball 30, 35 times a game. We need to run the ball. And if we're going to throw it, we're going to throw quick, short passes. We don't want to take shots on the field. Like, to me, that's – I don't know how great those examples are and how, like, how much of a match they are. To me, that's kind of what's going on, though. You know, I'm a, tight, I'm a big Titans fan. Many of you know that. Know that. It'd be like if Derrick Henry – coming back tomorrow, and Mike Vrabel said, we're not going to hand him the ball. We're actually going to line him up at tight end and wide receiver, and he's going to run rounds. And we're going to see if we can throw him the ball. Like, the Lakers are just doing so many things that don't fit the personnel that they have. And as a head coach, it's on you to adapt to your personnel. I get you've got your philosophies, your defense first coach. You, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. And... You could still like this team could still honestly I, I feel like could be at the very least like an above average defensive team like a, a, a pretty solid defensive team but they have to commit to this scheme change because this drop coverage having Avery Bradley try and fight over screens and funnel guys into LeBron at the five Melo at the five 
whoever it is. Stanley Johnson at the five. Good luck, man. Good luck. And making, you know, especially younger players like Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, constantly process things instead of just saying, hey, we're just going to switch everything so you don't have – we kind of take the mental aspect out of it, right? There's still things you're going to have to communicate on, certain things you don't want to switch on. But if you're switching a lot of things, it just it simplifies it so much and takes out that a lot of that mental aspect so you're not hindering your team defensively from a physical standpoint, which the Lakers have players that are hindered uh, physically, defensively. And you're you know not hindering them mentally either by having them process so much information, having to read and react so much when it's not their their strong suit. So I know I've bounced around a little bit. Um, I just kind of jotted down some points that I wanted to talk about. So I, as far as the blame game, I don't think there's there's one. I, I know I've been really hard on Vogel, and I think it starts with Vogel. He needs to adjust. He's got to adapt, or this team's not going to ever hit their ceiling. They're not built to play the same scheme that they've played the last two years. They're just not. You know, the so I, I'm – it might sound like I'm blaming Vogel solely. Um, I don't mean to do that because the way the roster was built doesn't fit what Vogel wants to do. So it kind of goes back to this offseason. Um, that goes beyond Russ. You know, when we were putting this team, when this team was getting put together, I was talking in a Laker group chat. I'm in, I'm like, we all kind of said the same thing. Are we going to get some defenders? Or, you know, is it just going to be kind of mostly offensive guys? Um, so, for what's been going on with the Lakers this year, no one person is to blame. There's been issues all around. But with that being said, they're still seventh in the West. They're, what, 23 and 23? And there's so much room for improvement. And if Vogel doesn't want to make the change, the Lakers are going to have to make the change and, and get somebody in there that, that will do it. Because there's so much evidence there. Even with, with Anthony Davis out, and I, like I said, with Anthony Davis back, hopefully soon, it gives you a lot of versatility defensively. But you can still switch everything, and that's still going to be the core of their identity, I believe. You can still do the drop coverage and funnel guys into Anthony Davis, depending on matchups and stuff like that. And honestly, you should still work on those so you have that in your bag. But this team's got to adapt, man. Tonight was just like the perfect example. And I, I get it. It's the Orlando Magic. They're not good. But tonight was the perfect example of the first half being the Lakers trying to do what they've been trying that's not working. They're banging their head against the wall, and it's not working. They were down eight at halftime to the Orlando freaking magic. In the second half, they leaned into what they are, to how they're built, to what their roster's identity is. They leaned all the way into it, and boom, 17-2 run. 31 to 16 in the third quarter. They coasted to victory after being down eight going into halftime. They coasted in the second half. Minor changes, simple changes. And it's not going to work every time. There's going to be certain matchups where you, you can't, you just can't play small ball. You can't just switch everything. There's going to be counters to that. It's basketball. There's counters to everything. There's no perfect solution to everything. We have to adapt. This team has to adapt or they're never going to hit their ceiling. We've got to put Russ 
with better players, not better players, better suited players around him. Give him shooters. Give him space to do his thing so he doesn't have to shoot jumpers, so that he can attack. We can keep mixing and matching and having LeBron play off the ball. We can have LeBron as a screener. We can do pick and rolls with LeBron as a ball handler where uh, Russ comes to screen or Malik Monk comes to screen and flares out. There's, there's a lot of simple things that this team can do. There's a lot more versatility on this team than I think people realize. And it's been hindered by what, we're, what type of style of basketball we're trying to play. So I am still very optimistic about this team, but it's got to start with the coaching staff. For me, I would start with having Avery Bradley come off the bench. And I would probably start Malik Monk or Austin Reeves. Because the young guys, Reeves... Monk, THT, Stanley Johnson, those guys need to play more. Because it, it, it's just getting to a point where game after game after game, you know, the single game plus minus isn't always a great indicator, but when it's happening every single game, that those guys are plus whatever, and the starters, the older guys, are minus whatever, let's maybe take a look at that. Let's maybe play the younger guys some more minutes. And... Excuse me. The nice thing about having guys like Stanley Johnson, um, especially when AD comes back, if you've got older players, why don't we utilize a guy like Stanley Johnson to have shorter stints for the older players so we keep them fresh? We're not having Carmelo Anthony play 32 minutes, right? We can have him play 22 minutes, 23 minutes. If he's hot, maybe play him more. But like, you can keep him fresh by using your young legs. The Lakers can mix and match a lot of different lineup combinations with this team. But they've got to lean into who they, they really are. And it's it's not schematically the same thing that they've been the last two years. They're just not built that way. And the sooner Vogel and the coaching staff realizes that, the sooner I think we see this team start to put it together and start to just really start to figure it out. Maybe stop blowing big leads would be a great, great start. Luckily, they didn't blow their big lead tonight. But... You know, I've been really against this notion that uh, the Lakers just don't have enough on this team. They've got enough, even without Anthony Davis, to beat Oklahoma City, to beat Minnesota, to beat the Magic, to beat the depleted Indiana Pacers. Like, you still have, I don't care what you've got going on with no Anthony Davis. You still have LeBron James playing unbelievable basketball. And again, like I said, I think Russ deserves some credit for that because LeBron has played a different, somewhat different style than what he normally has his whole career, where he just dominates the basketball. He's done a lot more off-ball stuff, and it's it's really helped. But you've got LeBron. You've got Russell Westbrook. You've got different guys that can step up. You've got enough talent to beat bad teams. And right now the Lakers have struggled to beat bad teams. So I just want to see this team build some momentum, man. Just build some momentum, right? It just every time it seems like this team takes a step forward, they take two steps back. Lakers beat Utah, probably their best one of the year. They followed it up with losing to a very depleted Indiana Pacers team at home. Maybe their worst loss of the year, which I guess is a perfect summation of what this team has been. Best one of the year, followed by their worst loss of the year. So that's all I got for you guys. Um, that's just kind of my thing. I think 
you know, the lineups, the injuries, the, the situation with COVID obviously made th- have made things more difficult. But the Lakers have to adapt. If they adapt, I still believe in this team. I still think that they're going to be dangerous. And I still think that nobody's going to want to see LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and some of these other guys around them in, in, in a seven-game series. So let's get this team healthy. Let's build on each win. Hopefully this this road trip is is kind of a, a turning point for them. They're going to be battle tested. Hopefully they get AD back, and it's like it's like Kent Bazemore keeps uh, keeps talking about, keeps tweeting. And shout out to Bazemore because he's been out of the rotation, but he's stayed very positive. And I'm sure it's very difficult for him to sit and watch this team do the things that they've been doing. But chop wood, carry water. Just keep keep building, keep building. I believe in this team. Still think they can turn it around, but it starts with the coach, the head coach. If Vogel doesn't pull the trigger and lean into what this team should be, then maybe they hand the reins over to somebody else that will. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's all I got for you guys. I wanted to get back on here. I've been wanting to get back on here anyways, and Hani and I will be doing these more often. Um, but just wanted to kind of talk about what I've personally seen, um, just share my thoughts um, with you guys on what this team has been, where they're going, where they should be going, what they can be, all that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like I teased earlier, on Sunday, Hani and I will actually be talking, we'll be doing a little bit of a special edition podcast. We won't be broadcasting it live. It'll be up on the podcast platforms. But we'll be talking to author Mike Sielski. Um, if you guys listen to the Woj pod of Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, um, he actually talked to Mike Sielski about his, his book called The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. I've been reading it and it's it's fascinating. As somebody that grew up a diehard Kobe fan, Kobe was my idol. I'm sure many of you, uh, it's the same thing. Uh, this this book, I believe, just just came out. Um, we'll be talking to to Mike on Sunday about the book, and we'll have that pod up uh, Sunday, probably Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, sometime by the end of the day, Sunday. Um, so we'll be interviewing him and talking about this book. Um, from from what I've read uh, so far, I'll be finishing it up this weekend um, before we talk to Mike. It's been very fascinating. It's been it's it's definitely hit a number of emotions for me personally, um, and I'm sure it probably will you guys too. But it's it's been fascinating to learn about Kobe and the, the just the various lives that that he impacted and just his his legacy overall. It's been just a, a terrific read. I can't wait to finish it. But um, give you guys kind of a glimpse for those of you that are watching. This is what it looks like. Again. Rise, Kobe Bryant, and the Pursuit of Immortality by Mike Sealski. We'll be talking to him on Sunday and interviewing him, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, but I'm going to sign off. Um, thank you guys uh, for those of you that watched or listened to this um, and listened to me rant. Uh, it, it felt nice. And uh, now I'm going uh, to go sign off, try and get some sleep before I uh, sweat bullets tomorrow watching uh, the Titans play the Bengals, who are a very, very good and very fun football team. But playoff football man you either you gotta love it but uh, i hate it i hate it when my my favorite team uh, could be one and done so um but i'm gonna sign off 
as always, guys, we're going to be uh, broadcasting these live on twitch.tv slash LakersOutsiders um, on our YouTube channel and on facebook.com slash LakersOutsiders. You can follow along there. Um, and then anywhere you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Podbean, whatever it is, uh, these will be um, recorded and put up on there after the fact. So, um, And that's where um, Sunday's show will be, where we interview Mike. And... Um, yeah, Hani will be joining me for that, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, interviewing Mike Sealski about this this amazing book, and um, I can't wait to, to share it with you guys. So thank you guys again so much for, for tuning in, listening to me rant. But uh, until next time, this is Gary Kester with the Lakers Outsiders, signing off.